Welcome to KidTech, the series which goes behind the scenes with the people and companies shaping the digital kids sector. I'm your host, Dylan Collins, uh, and today we are in Super Awesome's offices in London uh, with Ian Chambers, CEO of MindCandy. Great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Welcome. Um, I know you don't want to talk too much about um, the history of Mind Candy because much has been written about it. But I think for perhaps the benefit um, of our American listeners, can you run through, I suppose, um, briefly the history of Mind Candy and and you know, I suppose its background in the kids' digital space because it is sort of one of the pillars on, on on which the kids industry today has been built. Absolutely. So uh, Michael Acton Smith founded Mind Candy um, maybe 10, 12 years ago. Um, and he really saw an opportunity in the space to create a, a platform for kids to to play with each other online and to um, to have a very safe space where they could engage, have fun, play using PCs. And um, you'll be familiar with that platform probably called Moshi Monsters, which was you know, a mega hit within um, the UK, but I mean, also it, expanded beyond that. Right. I mean, it was sort of around the same time as um, Club Penguin, roughly or slightly after. Yeah, there was Hello Hotel and there's various other platforms around that sort of time. But I think what Mind Candy did incredibly well was such a simple proposition, which was adopt a pet monster. And that, that sparked the imagination of kids and they could... They could adopt a monster, bring it to life, and then that monster could go on adventures, and um, and of course they go could meet their friends and, and have great times together in a, in a very safe social space. Um, and so, of course, this is back in two thousand eight, you know, long before some of the, the social activities that we know about today. Um, and so that was a desktop based virtual world, effectively. Absolutely, um, yeah. And um, that sort of did very well for a while. Um, sort of met mobile. Um, at some point, um, yeah, and 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 sort of hit a plateau. Yeah, I think what what happened is you know the, the kids grew up, which is what happens, of course, with uh, with children. They tend to grow up. Um, the business, um, as you said, the iPad was invented, you know, May tenth, twenty ten. I think I think I'm right in saying that's the date. And um, of course, very quickly, the model of kids' entertainment shifted from sitting your child at the PC to then them engaging with with devices, and of course, sudden, and then the App Store giving. You know, a far greater volume of content and experiences available to kids and parents, which of course completely changed the monetization models of, of the industry, really. Um, and naturally, you know, Mind Candy and Moshi went through some some more trickier years, and, and then they, you know, Mind Candy looked at ways to to evolve Moshi um, and also to create new products as well. And so you arrived in Mind Candy in January 2016. Yeah, if my research is correct. And you had very much a games background. So you came from IGN, you came from um, Game Digital on the, re- on the retail mm-hmm. side. Can you, can you, how did you go from games into kids? Well, actually, my first job, um, you talked about the most recent two, but actually I started at Ubisoft, my first role, um, when I started as a community manager, and that was in 2001. So before Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or anything else, you know, um, or YouTube. Um and the first product I worked on was Rayman. Huh. And so actually, um, when I joined Ubisoft back in the day, it was before Splinter Cell and all this kind of stuff that we're more familiar for now. But they were a kids' entertainment business. You know, they were they were creating they're creating you know flagship brands like Rayman and other ones. So, so yeah. But my career has generally been in video games. Um, but you know, really, it's in audiences. You know, I've worked in in consumer businesses, you know, consumer entertainment for 22 years. You know, whether it's kids or 18 plus, or I worked on FIFA at EA. 
for um, for several years as well. But but I mean, what did you see in Mind Candy? I mean, it, it was you know, I mean, EA, Ubi. I mean, IGN was not a certainly not sort of a kids company. Sure. Um, you know, Mind Candy. Mind Candy was was really the definition mm. of kids digital, and it was always going to be different, uh, different audience. Sure. No. So I, I'd followed Mind Candy from from afar when I was at IGN, and I'd followed Moshi particularly. Of course, you couldn't miss Moshi being in the UK. Sure. Um, and for me, it was a challenge. I mean, it was a real opportunity to, you know, what I saw, and I remember going back to the, you know, exactly the question of, you know, why it was, it was a combination of the team who I thought were exceptional, yeah. exceptional creatives, a brand which is just unlike any other, in my opinion, in the kids space. And we knew and knew and, and had done incredibly well and had been a phenomenon in one market effectively. So how could we take that into a, into a broader global market? Very strong investors, which of course, you know, was um, was backed up the sort of decision as so well. You, so you have Excel and who else was it? Excel and Local Globe through Saul Klein. and so so top tier European top tier, tech investors. Exactly. Um and and also Michael. Yeah, you know, Michael being a you know, being a you know a sort of very inspirational creative lead who had lots of ideas and ways we could take the um, Moshi forward and Mind Candy. Um, and, you know, I, I was looking for a new opportunity and, you know, like to get, uh, like to sort of find ways to turn businesses and, um, and to improve them. And, you know, I think we've made a great, great step forward in the last couple of years. And you really have. And I, I think, you know, in many respects, when, when, when I saw you taking the role in, in, um, in 2016, it sort of felt like, a little bit of a Marissa Mayer Yahoo moment, <laughs> right? Where you had this incredible brand beloved by everyone that had sort of fallen on hard times. And I saw you take up the role and I kind of went, holy shit, this is going to be incredibly interesting to watch. This is a massive challenge. Um, and, and you have done what very, very few execs in the general digital media space have done, which is sort of stabilized a brand and started to grow it. I mean, like, you, how do you describe Mind Candy today? Yeah, it's different. I mean, um, and we're not popping champagne corks yet, just to be clear. So, um, you know, we've uh, we have made great progress, but there's 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 a lot of work to do. And um, how do you describe Mind Candy's day? I mean, we are. I mean, our line is we create worlds that fire the imagination. So hopefully that gives you a sense of what we do. But you know, we're 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 a creative IP driven studio. Mm. Um, and the question we start with, we always start with a map. We start with a map of our, our world we're creating. And then once we create the map, we then start to think, okay, what products could sit within this within this map? And by thinking about it that way around versus we're just going to create a product, it gives us an incredible opportunity then to, to steer and change and to try different things versus being sort of stuck on one path that we're going to create this product come what may. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, well, we've got some problems. Whereas what the approach we took is, okay, let's create some environments. We've got one already called Moshi, which we know is incredible. So how do we work with that and what do we do? What, what would be relevant today for kids of today, which is completely different to kids of 10 years ago? Uh, we created a new IP called Petlandia, which is um, we can talk about. Yeah. Um, and with that, yeah, we created the world first and then said, okay, what products could work within this that could fit with the kind of things that pet lovers would want? So, um, yeah, we're a, uh, in some ways... We we're we're a startup, yeah, and I th- and I think that's an interesting thing. We're a business that's been around for, you know, probably formed twelve years ago or something, or fourteen years ago or something. But but actually, we operate very much like a startup. And the way you describe those universes, I mean, do you mean that in in, in 
in those brands being able to exist outside of digital in a physical sense. So is that sort of a multi-platform world or absolutely right. absolutely that and if you look back at moshi that was what yeah. was made moshi so strong you know there's i think one of the things people may not be aware of that are close to it is how many kids engage with moshi but never touch the pc moshimopsis.com an incredible yeah, number. Meaning what? Well, in that they came into the brand through all the other ways right, we so were right, engaging. So they, they bought so Plush or they watched the, they watched the, the, the collectibles, movie, right. they watched the movie, they, right. they had friends who were doing trading cards. You know, there were incredible number of um, you know, you, you know, audience who never actually touched the PC game, despite mm. that having 100 million registered accounts. Right, and you know, so even that. But if you actually look about the business, the business, you know, the accounts back in 2012, 2013, half the business was licensing, as in royalties from licensing, right. and half was subscription. So we're talking about you know, seven years ago, a business doing half its business in licensing, half in subscription. So as you come now into into um, you know what Mind Candy and Moshi is today, we still very much have that approach of thinking about the world and then thinking about how can we connect with kids and parents and everything that surrounds. You know, how kids will engage with an IP and how can we connect with them multiple ways versus just let's just give them one way to connect. Right. So can you walk through kind of the timeline of products over mm. the last couple of years? So you talked about Petlandia. Sure. Um, so maybe, maybe just explain that in a bit more detail. Yeah. So actually when I joined, I actually said to the team, um, let's just stop doing Moshi. Let's, let's not think about Moshi for the time being. Now, what else is on the cutting room floor? How, how was what kind of reaction was that? Met? Was I think it was fine because they tried so many different things, right. you know, and they'd all done well. They just hadn't been spectacular, um, and you know they'd done some mobile games. They'd done you know match three games and different kinds of things, and that's a very crowded space, really tricky space, and tricky to monetize in the kids arena as well. So we said, okay, what else is on the cutting room floor? And Michael and I threw a lot of ideas around, and they'd already been um, just started on this idea of Petlandia, and the idea behind that was really born in social media and pets. I mean, again, you know, some of the listeners might be aware that there's, you know, there's dogs with 18 million followers on Facebook, you know, and I think something like one in 10 um, dogs in the US has a Facebook account or something, something like that, you know, so, so <laughs> I, we, we I, I saw this. expect that to be yeah. one of the questions that comes up with the next Facebook Senate hearing. Yeah, so, so all these, all these, um, all these incredible and all, people using pets as a way to expressively, to create, to express themselves in a creative manner, because of course the pets can't talk, right? So, so when they're expressing themselves, they're using this channel of a, of a pet as an alter ego to actually express themselves in a way. And we just saw that and we thought, well, okay, if people are doing that themselves and they're actually embodying their their pet into a into a into effectively a voice, which is going to talk and create audience, and you know, there's there's endless pets that have got hundred thousand followers. I mean, there's just just vast numbers of them. Sounds like you spent a lot of um, time looking at this. Subject. There is, yeah, and um, and then you go down to the five thousand, ten thousand follower, and it's just like every every man and his dog, frankly, you know, has got one. So um, we saw there must be something here we can capture. And so we, we thought about it and we said, what is at the heart of this? And it's all about the love of pets. It's all about that, that unbelievable bond that pet owners um, have with their, their family pets or with their, you know, with, their, with their pet. And so we said, how can we unlock that? And we said, well, you know, we've done it once before with Moshi where we've said, okay, adopt a, a monster. So a child adopts a monster and it's a character that they, they weren't familiar with till they saw it and they find the one they like and they, they carry on. We said, well, if we could package that same thing up, but they've already got their character, which is their pet, mm. then is there something there? And so in the spirit of trying things, we very quickly, I think in about three months, we created an avatar creator. So you could 
you know, find a dog that looks like your dog. And then the first product we created was actually a physical product because we liked the idea of, and we'd seen what um, people such as Lost My Name had done and others in that space. And personalised books have been around for 40 years, but we'd seen the sort of success of the direct-to-consumer print-on-demand model. And, um, you know, there's no secret we were inspired by, by, by those. And we said, can we, can we create something where the pet is the centre of this, of, this, of, this, of this product? So we put it out. We did. We created the whole thing in about three and a half months, something like that. Um, we got it live on um, the entire product end to end. Everything, yeah. Um, print operations, making the book, drawing it, writing it, everything. Website. Yeah, but the whole pub- lot. Publishers usually tell me that it's eighteen months to, to, to release. Yeah, no, we were live. Um, that apart. I think we went live March 29th or something. Yeah, something like that in that year, twenty sixteen. Right. With a first, like really a first version, like just to sort of see, get some audience and see what people did. Um, and then we, yeah, we tested, learned, tested, learned, and sort of saw actually the first version of our art didn't work at all. It was a complete write-off. You mm. know, people were saying, you know, we just, the feedback was awful, you know, and they didn't like it. So we, we changed the art, and then we, we made it cuter, and we made it this, and we made it that, and we carried on playing around with it until we saw the conversion rate of people going through from, okay, they're now creating pets and they're getting to a point where they're starting to preview books because you can preview the, the, the book before you buy it. And then of course we optimize the, the, um, the, the sale process. We optimize from, you know, from preview through to sale and then we optimize the logistics. And, and so by that Christmas, in the first Christmas, sort of proof of concept, we then started doing Facebook advertising and getting it moving. And this was still in 2016? Yep. Okay, right. Yeah, and we sold something like 30,000 units or something. Yeah, so um, Which is quite respectable in terms of, of UK book sales. Yeah, um, and it was mainly UK as well. It was right. mainly UK. Um, so that sort of you know, spurred us on into, but you know, it's not, it wasn't big enough that we got that excited, but it spurred us on to think there's something here. Mm. And the, and then we went into 2017, we carried on iteration the product, we created another couple of books, we've got three books. These are beautiful, 32 page, fully illustrated, every page is personalised with you, the owner, the the pet, the images, mm. you know, it's all, it's, it's, you know, you need to try it out on petlandia.com. And, and then in year two, we sold something like, you know, 55,000 books or something like that. So, you know, it was sort of, okay, great, we kind of nearly doubled and, and that was, okay, and that spurred us on into, into this year that's just gone, where we really felt like we're going to go for it this year. We, we, we know how this works now. We've got some US printing partners. So we've got a printer in Seattle. Got our printer here in Nottingham. And, you know, we started spending on Facebook um, in, you know, sort of October, September, October, building and reinvesting, building and reinvesting, building and reinvesting. And we've now passed a quarter of a million. So we, we you know, for for twenty in, in total. Oh, total. So, okay. but yeah, so we just had like one hundred fifty thousand in 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 the peak has just gone, which makes Petlandia. Even though we're not, we're not, um, we're not in any book charts, obviously, because we're just a print on demand direct to consumer business. But my my sort of inter, you know, my industry colleagues tell me that it would make us one of the best sellers at Christmas. And you um, cons- you consider it a children's book? No. Or, right. And this is the fascinating thing. Which is what we found. We started with the concept of it's a kids' mm. book, um, but actually, it turns out it's not. It turns out actually, people like yourself actually tend to be more of the recipients. And you only have to go onto Instagram and search for hashtag Petlandia, and you see the audience. It's basically anyone who has a pet, mm. um, and that's the fascinating thing. So it's because it's getting so deep into the love someone has for their pet that actually mm. it crosses all demographics. So it was I mean, given the DNA of, of Mind Candy, was 
that outcome helpful or in some ways not? Or how did you feel about that internally? I think it's definitely help, helpful because it, it taught us to do new things. And I think any business needs to learn to do new stuff, you know, and um, and gave us, it's given us good focus. Um, it's been successful. It's given confidence to the team, to investors, to everyone involved with the business. You know, it's, you know, when you create something from zero, literally zero, I mean, you know, it's, as you, as you know, it's no mean feat to take something from zero to, you know, Petlandia turning over, you know, close to $5 million in 2018. Yeah, I mean, and I'm looking at sort of the number of, of hashtag Petlandia posts on well, Instagram yeah. here. Scroll it's, through them. Yeah, I mean, it's in the I mean, And also look at the number of likes they get. I mean, they got, you know, they're getting ones with 5,000 likes and, and all this kind of stuff. It's, and they're every day. They're not like, oh, we've had a few in the last year. Yeah. Over Christmas, we're getting several hundred per day. Yeah, um, yeah. That's fascinating. So you went from Petlandia then to what was the next product? So um, there was something we I'm not going to talk about because they never didn't made it make it. Oh. Right? So there's well, things I really wanted to talk yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, what, what, what can you say? Well, I mean, um, or maybe better better question. Why did you Why did you kill it? Yeah, if that's what happened. Well, we we did we tried a Petlandia app, um, right. just just didn't get it right. You know, and it felt like a great idea at the time. Mm. Um, it was, and I still think it's a good idea. I just think we we quite found the way to you know mm-hmm. you can have the best idea in the world, but it's all about execution, right? And it's all about um, it's all about you know obviously consumer acceptance and, and acquisition and all the rest of it. It's a great idea. It was basically taking the same thing but turning to basically doing Bitmoji but with using your pets. It was called Petmoji. It's a nice idea. You can use your pet that you've created and you use it for 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 you know for um, stickers and all this kind of stuff. It's a good idea. Mm. I think Bitmoji were doing it, so they're they're you know they're doing it a slightly different way. Right. But there's a lot of people doing that doing that thing of kind of you know using content to to enhance your instant messaging and that kind of yeah. stuff. So yeah, it's a crowded space. You know, um, books that are personalised as a gift for you or your family or your friends isn't a crowded space. In fact, we're the only people doing it as far as I'm aware. But surely that must take you head to head with Lost My Name Not to really. some degree? I don't think so, no. no. Do they think so? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, they can ask them, but I mean, um, I don't think so. I, I think they're very different. I mean, buying a buying a product featuring a child's name is a, is a very different kind of personal thing. Sure. I mean, that's very different, I think, to buying something which features a, a family pet, you know. Um, and I've, I've got all of Lost My Name's books, and they're, they're, I think they're great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, people speak very highly of them as well. Um, let's talk about mushy twilight yes. and sleep yeah. and children. So this all started um, about a year and a half ago, and um, Michael, who's you know the founder of Mind Candy, you know when I came in as CEO, he he's remained as chairman, but um, he's he's gone and focused more on his other business um, as Calm, and he's you know spending a lot of time in the US and. You know, you don't even need me to tell you how successful Karma are being at the moment, you know, um, and they're doing very well. And we were talking about Moshi and, you know, just generally the challenges in the industry to monetize kids' IP um, for, for many reasons. You know, you're, you've got a consumer and a customer mm. and, you know, you've got a gatekeeper. And I think we've all been there, those of us who've got children where you know your child comes up to you and shows you a, a, an app saying, "Hey, spend three ninety nine now," and you've got immediate instincts of no, because I'm not deciding that this is the moment I want to reward you, and it's that is that's the different, and that's very different to me walking into a shop on Saturday morning with my son and him and and rewarding him with buying a magazine for four ninety nine or whatever. Mm. 
and which is a very different experience or picking up something off a shelf in, in in a toy shop and saying you know actually what do you want and having experience together and buying it's very different to actually it's saying i need to spend 3.99 to continue and so you know we i'm not saying it's impossible because uh, nothing's impossible but i think it's very hard to succeed in that space in terms of um in terms of direct monetization of kids of kids games for the age group we're talking about mm-hmm. under 10 so we we knew we had to find something else you know an, another way to spark moshi twilight and use the world of moshi in in um, for this generation of kids because it deserves to be i mean moshi this is the reason i joined mind candy as i said it deserves to be a global ip it, do, it, do, do you feel that the moshi monsters is the first evergreen digital brand I think I think it will be. Right. <laughs> I don't think it has been. I think it will be, and that's really the goal: is how mm. to make it into an evergreen digital brand. Versus obviously what happened in the first sort of you know, the first stage, which was you know clearly clearly sort of had some success and then a bit of, you know a bit of decline after that. So um, Michael and I were talking about this, and we said, look, um, sleep's going great for calm. Um, you only have to read how they talk about it and how he talks about the you know the sleep. Sleep is a major problem for everyone. Mm. You know, no, none of us sleep enough. You know, the whole world is is not sleeping enough, and that's something which is only getting worse. You know, I've, I've done a lot of research on this, obviously, over the last year and a half, and met a lot of sleep experts, and been to Sheffield Children's Hospital, and spoken to you know sleep experts in the NHS and um, American sleep experts all, all over the mm. the world to understand this space. And the one common thing that they all say is, "We're not sleeping enough." And the other thing they say is that sleep is the master switch to our lives, basically. That you know, and when it comes down to kids, we're talking about learning, development, mm. health, general health, um, uh, you know, weight. Um, all of these things um, are affected by the quality of sleep, not the length of sleep. And I think one of the things we tend to obsess about is eight hours of sleep. Mm. And actually, if you read some of these books, you know, some of the Matthew Walker or some of these books, it's all about the quality of sleep. And it's about making sure you have deep, restful sleep. And so, you know, even if you're someone who goes, well, I can sleep eight hours every day, but I'm still tired, that might be because of your routine before bed. It might be because you're watching YouTube before bed or whatever you're doing. Mm. I'm not a sleep expert. Get a book and, and read about it. But in the kids' space, we just thought, well, if that's the case for adults, plus you're in a world where generally both adults' parents are working, they're generally commuting, they're generally coming back later than they used to. So all of these things compound to a less restful bedtime experience for the family. And this isn't about kids. This is about the whole family. This is was, was this a thesis you had or was this sort of being delivered to you by sleep experts or how did this... The, 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 I think it's, the it's a combination of thesis and then and then you, and then you start learning and then you hear the same themes from so many places and you kind of put them together and go, actually, there's definitely something here that we need to focus on. Screen time is a major issue. You know, there's obviously a lot of debate around screen time and how do we, you know, don't have devices in the bedroom, which is a very clear thing. And I'm about to tell you how we're using a device in the bedroom to solve this problem. So there's definitely the irony isn't lost on us there, but um, but I think we've got a good good reasons why it's working. Um, So anyway, so we said, okay, well, how about we use Moshi, um, this incredible world. We focus on audio only, so this isn't about looking at screens. And what are we trying to do? We're trying to take kids from 
the moment at the moment our goal now is to take kids for when the lights go out this isn't about replacing parents reading to kids mm-hmm. okay we're not trying to do that in fact we're going to you know our goal is to actually give things for parents to read to kids over time but this is about when the lights go out it's from the moment of we've all been there holding your child's hand for endless minutes or whatever anxiety the stress they have of the dark you know all these different things how do we help them calm down mm. relax settle and to drift off into sleep and so that was the sort of thesis of how do we do that and what we looked at is how what the sleep experts told us is it's kind of a 20 minute cycle for kids to 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 drift off to sleep and they go through various different stages um in terms of their the brain waves and all the rest of it so what we wanted to do is instead of a traditional kid story which goes um start middle end yeah, and then it has cadences and it mm. has ends, and it has plots and all this kind of stuff. We said, let's create journeys that ultimately they start engaging to engage the kid's mind and imagination and, you know, dreamlike sort of state. And they become more and more soporific until they become mm. white noise. So it takes them on a journey to, to sleep. And the idea being they're asleep before the end. And so you, you rolled this out in the form of was it an Alexa skill originally, or how did you... No, what, we, what was, we created the app first, right, so it's an audio-only app. Okay, right. Um, with Bluetooth um, connectivity, so right. you can... so And then we have and, an Alexa skill. And you did this in conjunction with Calm, or separately? I was never totally well, clear on this. My, no, not we're, we're separate businesses. Well, sure. But clearly, Michael's the chairman of MindCandy, so he's been wor- working with us on this, of course. And we they also have some of our content in Calm as well. So right. We, so we, but, but, and, we're li- and also, we're using their name, Sleep Stories. So, yes, yeah, so in that sense, we are there is a partnership in that sense. Right. But Mushy Twilight was a MindCandy. It's MindCandy. It's right. a separate business to Calm. Yeah. Right. So we've worked together on it, but they're separate businesses. Because it, it does seem like both Calm and Headspace hmm. are sort of in the last six or maybe 12 months definitely started to go after the kids' space. It, or it seems. I mean, the point, there's, there's a lot of people on the earth, right? And, they, and the one thing I love about this this particular problem is it's 100% penetration market. You know, Meaning? No one has learned not to sleep yet. Right. <laughs> so right. every single child on this planet sleeps and every single adult on this planet sleeps. And we've got 7 billion people to target. So there's enough space for us to, to, to operate and, and to succeed. And I think we're offering different things, actually. Our focus is 100% on kids. And, so, and by using, using the IP to connect with kids and using the, the IP of Moshi. So app, then Alexa skill. And Google Home. And Google Home. And what's yeah. what's been your experience rolling out with the, the smart speaker category? I they're gonna take time to get going. Mm. Yeah. I mean they they're I think they're great. I, I use them at home and they have I think like with any kind of new technology, and this is person my personal opinion, we have to learn how to use it. Mm. I don't think we've quite learned how to use it yet. And and because you, know, you made the point about sort of the irony of having an additional piece of technology in the bedroom sure. in order to deal with the problems of having technology in the bedroom. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, from some of the data I have seen, um, it comes across that um, smart devices and speakers and, and voice interaction is now really displacing screen time for kids. Um, from all the experience that you've had uh, with Mashi Twilight, is that what you're seeing? So I, I haven't specifically got um, data that shows that and I think well, what I would say is I think the, this is incredible technology and actually though it's a question of 
how this technology is going to be integrated into multiple devices rather than just the, the little box they have next to, the, to their bed or in their bedroom. You know, when I think about sleep, from Moshi Twilight's point of view, I'm thinking about flights, cars, mm. everywhere they, you can engage with, with well, where, where kids sleep. And so headphones. And so this is more about a smart platform versus necessarily just a smart speaker. It's about an assistant who can give you relevant content at a relevant place at a relevant time. And I think over time we'll see us realizing how to use this technology in a positive way. So do you feel sleep is now the future of Mind Candy? Um, it's incredibly important to us. I think the, the future of Moshi right now is the health and happiness of two billion kids. And that's our goal, which is how do we help parents around the world to help their kids to relax and sleep. And through Petlandia, it's how to continue to be the number one globalized uh, IP for pet lovers, um, which I think we are and hopefully will continue to be. And I saw that one of the things, uh, one of the, the, the new updates to Twilight was um, the sound of a washing machine. Yeah, so we've I mean, all, yeah. Were, were you testing different washing machine sounds the same way <laughs> you were sort of testing different purr sounds? Oh, yeah, well, so we, yeah, it's funny you mentioned the purr. So that's our new one came out tomorrow, and uh, the creative director and I were trying out all different kinds of purrs, and I wasn't happy with it. And I was looking for a sort of a, uh, a log fire with, with, you know, a nice glass of scotch and, you know, sitting, stroking the purr as you gently fell off to sleep. And I think we ultimately listened to 20 or 30 cats purring and found the one that, that delivered that. Um, and some did, of these... Did you have anyone recording that session? Because that would be <laughs> no. tremendous archive footage. <laughs> no, I could share with you the link of all the purrs if you're interested. Uh, I think that would be very, very interesting. And um, you, we were talking about Toy Fair in London earlier, um, and you have been at the time of recording, you were there last week, um, where uh, you've just announced a new product with Posh Paws. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So Posh Paws are a, um, one of the global leaders in, in plush toys. They work with um, Disney and various others. Um, and what we wanted to do, and we talked to them, and actually the important thing here is how we think about the different stages of getting kids to sleep, which is um, before they go upstairs, kind of the last 30 minutes, how do we start to calm them down? At With our children, when we're sitting there and we want to actually experience something together uh, and help them then to get ready for going to sleep, and then the period after... Um, which is when the lights go out. And so with Posh Paws, what we've done is we're creating the most premium quality um, huggable bedtime buddy. And these characters are characters that kids are listening to. So once the lights go out, they can hug them and feel super safe. And we know from our sleep experts that physical touch, so very um, good feeling of the, of the plush and some of the features we're putting onto the plush, plus the sensation of hugging, which we all know makes us feel good. All of these things can help kids to relax and to calm and to, to relax into sleep. Um, so we're really excited about this partnership. Um, what they've created looks fantastic, and yeah, we had a great reception at the Toy um, Fair. What, what do the economics of licensing look like um, for, well, for, for brands? As I mentioned earlier, I mean, it's... Um, Licensing has been a huge part of Mind Candy's mm. success, and you know we're seeing this very much as a you know multifaceted kind of approach. Which is this is about distribution, it's about marketing, it's about awareness of of, of what we're doing with sleep, and also it's about driving you know um, revenue to the bottom line as well. Mm. And I mean, you you came on board um, 
we discovered actually just before the recording of this um, that it has been three years to the day since you joined Mind Candy. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Um, and, you know, you've certainly stabilized the company. What can you say about, about how 20, 2018 went? Yeah, so we haven't um, released those yet because the audited um, numbers won't be till later in the year. But I'm you know, happy to say that we we grew um, by fifty five zero percent in revenue terms around that kind of level, um, which you know is great for the team and you know great sort of endorsement of the you know the progress we've made over the last three years. And this year we're going to continue to go to the next level and take that further through both Moshi Twilight and and through Petlandia. Um, and yeah, just looking forward to more success in 2019. Um, how do you think about the building blocks for the next five years of Mind Candy? What are they based on? So, honestly, I don't try and look too far ahead. I, I, I sort of, I, yeah, I think in this kind of you know test and learn approach, what we're trying to do is look at okay, what's working today, mm. and is it better than it was yesterday? That's kind of my frame of reference. I kind of, I, I say to the team, if I wake up every day and I think are we, are we doing better than we did yesterday then that's great and this is all about consistency and there's quite a lot of there's some other great um, Simon Sinek does a good talk about consistency I'm a big I buy into it a lot which is the same in sort of if you're if you're trying to lose weight as an example you go to the gym once you come home from the gym session you feel tired you look at yourself in the mirror and you go I look exactly the same and you probably go the second day and you come back and you look exactly the same but you do it every day for six months, and in six months you see someone you haven't seen for six months, and they say, "Wow, you've changed." The iterative process isn't about it; isn't about the daily change; it not about the daily thing. It's actually about how the daily makes the whole. Mm-hmm. And so I think the same in terms of in terms of a business, which is, if every day we're improving, you won't see that improvement every day, but after six months you'll see a huge improvement. And I mean, the, the jump to voice though was not an iterative step for Mind Candy. Uh, when you think about Twilight, I mean, because if you look, I suppose the history of Mind Candy, you've gone through desktop and virtual, and then mobile, and it feels like voices is, is almost like you know the next evolution of the company. Is that an accurate? I mean, I know I sort of asked you whether sleep was the future of Mind Candy. I wonder whether I meant is voice the future? Is audio? Yeah, audio. I mean, audio for, for Moshi is an incredibly important part. I'm not. Gonna, I'm never going to say never that we're not going to do visual as well because Moshi is a of visual. Course. It's a visual IP, and I can definitely see a place for a, an animated series when you are for permitted screen time. Mm. And we still have Moshi Monsters Egg Hunt, which is a game um, for kids, which is free, completely mm. free, no in-app purchases, no advertising, nothing. But it's a window into the world of Moshi. Mm. Kids have fun. There's permitted playtime as well. So we're not saying we're audio only. What we're saying is that Moshi Twilight is, is an audio product for bedtime. Sure. Um, but, I, and, but I mean more from, from a, a generation of kids growing up. Well, it is very, that's a fascinating point you make. I think, you know, we're probably a similar age. And in the 80s, when we got our Walkman, and we put our headphones on. You 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 transformed you into a different world, mm. and you know all this incredible. You know, and that's been that was lost, I think, for for a period. And I think that's coming back now, where actually kids, there's so much going on in their world. There's so much content. There's so much noise. There's so much you know visual content to stimulate their senses. Actually, if you give a child a pair of headphones and give them some music and give them something like this and see the reaction they're like wow I can actually I can close down for a bit and I can go into myself and actually experience something incredibly powerful I mean I'm, I you know I studied music I'm a musician um, and so for me you know doing something in audio is, is fantastic because the power of music has been something that's 
been you know, so powerful to me in my life in my ability to change my mood in any any way I want and that's the power of music which is and the power of audio which is it's not about change it's not about one emotional state it's about adapting your emotional state into 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 where you want to go and what how you want to be and what you need at any one point in time and as you say that it reminds me that Spotify has rolled out some some offering for kids has it, in terms of they I mean because the, they're changing so often I don't know <laughs> they do they have a lot of they have a lot of um they have a lot of um playlists mm. for for sleep and that kind of stuff as well mainly focus on adults uh, I mm. think but um Sleep is a major issue. I mean, oh, we're just we're just going to see this. You know, by no means are we going to be the first and last person to do this with a kid's IP. I know that. Um, we just need to be the best. Uh, are you intending to do co-licensing deals with other IP owners? Is that is it from a studio perspective? It's possible. It's possible. I mean, now Moshi is so big. We've got so many characters. We've got such a you know a deep a deep um, a deep world there and we can take it in so many ways that I think it's unlikely in the short term but never say never and what, I mean what's the scale of your ambition in terms of, of the size of Mind Candy I mean you've you know it was you know I suppose in its in its in, in its first generation let's call it that I was going to say heyday but um you know, it was up in the tens of millions of dollars. You're now growing it at fifty percent again, which is something that it hasn't seen for several years. How big can a digital kids um, IP be? In well, the, the sky is the limit, mm-hmm. clearly, because you only have to look at Peppa Pig or, or others in that space and know that they, they can be, you know, you know huge, beyond huge. Um, clearly, you know, our goal is to, is to grow. Uh, I don't really think in terms of too much in terms of like where's the end goal for that because um, who knows what the end goal is um, and actually you could set an end goal and it could be two x three x ten x that right so so you don't you don't want to self limit yourself um, you know you want to uh, you want to limit your losses and, and maximize your earnings generally in life and so don't limit don't limit your earnings so. Um, yeah, so I, I don't put too much on it. I would just say it's about growth. How do we consistently grow and consistently every day improve? And then one day we'll look at it and go, do you know what? We've created something that's, that is kind of getting towards something which we, we sort of feel is the size it can get to. And on the day of your third anniversary, three things that you would have done differently going back? Um, well, there's definitely products that... If I had, if hindsight was, you know, twenty twenty vision, there's definitely products that I I sort of suggested to the team we should do, and they said, okay, well, I guess you're the CEO, we should do them, and then probably looking back, you know, it was probably a bad idea. But um, I mean, yeah. on that point, actually, Petlandia took you out of this was the core kid space, and Twilight has brought you back in. Yeah, I mean, do you feel do you feel an audience constraint? No, because I mean kid, Petlandia is for all demographics, but it also is massively for kids. I right. mean, you know, it definitely is a, also a kids IP. Uh, it's just that it also resonates with parents and grandparents and frankly everyone. Um, so no, we feel very we still very much feel we're in the family entertainment business. That's how we think about what we do. We're a family business. You know, we're not going to do any any mature content. We're not. The one thing I can say for certain is we're never going to do any mature content or anything like that. You know, we are a family entertainment business. Um, other things I do, I mean, generally move faster. I mean, we move as fast as we can, but you can always move faster. Um, uh, what else? Um, I, I, do you know? What? I haven't got many regrets, honestly. We don't. We we tend not to focus on on negatives. We we tend to look at everything as. Again, it's very cliched, but we tend to look at everything as a learning, and we tend to go, "Okay, didn't work, fine, crack on." Um, and we're very good at 
moving quickly in terms of killing stuff. You know, if we see something's not working, we just we just go. We don't we don't put good money over bad. We just go not working and move on. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so yeah, no, it's um, it's been a, it's been a fascinating three years. I think you know, from a personal point of view and from a team point of view, you know, it's a um, it's a very exciting space. It's a very challenging space. But as we all know, the rewards can be huge personally because what I mean by that is in terms of the feeling we can give to people. Ultimately, I say this to the team all the time, this isn't about how much revenue can we get. And of course, these things are important. But ultimately, if we can create incredible products that people love and make them smile, and you think about Petlandia, probably half a million people on Christmas Day engage with our product and smiled and laughed and cheered and, and had a great time. And Twilight, you know, hundreds of thousands of parents who hopefully are going, oh, thank you for Moshi Twilight. And we get all the feedback from parents saying that. You know, if you do that and you do it well, then the the, the fundamentals and the economics will, will follow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you have to do that first. And if you succeed in that, then the rest will sort itself out. Well, Ian Chambers, uh, on your third anniversary at Mind Candy as CEO, thank you very much for joining us on Kitech. Great, thanks for having me.